Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Yahweh. Just thank you, Father. Just magnify you, Lord. We give you the glory, O oh Father. Thank you for all that you've done and yet doing in our lives, O oh Lord. We thank you, Father. We praise you and we give you the glory because you are worthy, Father, worthy to be praised. There is no one besides you, Father. We say, Lord, thank you, Father. We say thank you, Father. Father, as you call us, you also equip us to do what you lay upon our hearts. May we find those need in whatever capacity we can help. Certainly we can pray. We may need to write a call and then there are the times we are to go and accomplish that which we are called to do. May our motives in everything we say, do, or think be to glorify you as we shine our light, not for our own glory, but always for your glory and honor, while also spotlighting the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father that you are all the while at work on the inside of us to do of your good will and pleasure. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We magnify you. We give you the praise and we give you the honor, O Lord. O Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. As we go into this class, O oh Father, into this study of learning your voice, knowing your voice, O oh Lord, open up the eyes of our understanding that we may comprehend and understand, Father, what you are saying to us individually, the church. We thank you, Father, that there is power in prayer and the power of being on one accord and in the same spirit, Lord. May we all be in one spirit, united together with one cause, and that is to share the gospel 
of Yeshua with all mankind, O Lord. Father, but we need to hear your voice. We need to be able to recognize your voice and to follow it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are penetrating our hearts, Father, with your illuminating light and that we have understanding of your word, O Lord. Thank you, Yahweh. Thank you, Yahweh. Thank you, Yahweh Elohim, the great I am that I am. We thank you. And magnify you and we glorify you, Lord. In Yeshua HaMashiach's name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Yahweh. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Well, good morning, beloved. Happy. Um, Good morning to you and blessed Friday to you. Uh, This is Women of Grace, a voice of wilderness. And today we're starting our new series called learning the voice of God or knowing God's vo- uh, voice. I started off the series last, um, the beginning of this week, but I was using Harvest Time International Institute manual for knowing the voice of God, so I decided I was going to use both of them. But the online um, Bible college study for knowing the voice of God is only five lessons long, so I, I want to integrate Harvest Time International Institute um, manual with our this series on knowing God's voice. It is so important that we as believers learn the voice of Yahweh because there's many voices, beloved, that are out here in the world that are speaking. Hallelujah. Some of them are correct and some of them are incorrect, are error. But as we go through this study, open your hearts and ask the Lord to to give you wisdom and that he would tune your spiritual ears so that you can be on the frequency or channel that he is broadcasting on. We want to be in line with God's will and, and God's word. And as we go through this study, we would discover that the Holy Spirit never contradicts God's word. Hallelujah. It always agrees with God's word. And uh, last week we learned about how self can speak to us as well as the enemy. But today we're, we're taking up the chapter of a God who guides. The issue of guidance, hearing God's guiding voice and discovering his personal will for your life is undoubtedly a popular the subject. No other subject save possibly by end time prophecy attracts more interest from, from Christians. Russ Johnson describes this phenomenon in his book How to Know the Will of God. A certain church I know has uh, 
elective Sunday school classes. Every three months, they choose a new topic to study. The pastor tells me if they can have someone teach on knowing God's will, they can run that class over and over, and still people sign up for it, for it in droves. I spoke at many conferences where part of the afternoons are set aside for workshops on various topics. If you make one of the workshops knowing the will of God, half the people sign up for it, even if there are 20 other choices. This in itself reveals something about the nature of a significant majority of Christians. One, most Christians have an admirable desire to know and obey God's personal will for their lives. And two, most Christians are sincere in their understanding of God's will and uncertain of their ability to hear God's voice. J.I. Packer makes this this keen observation. Too many Christians, guidance is a chronic problem. Why? Not because they doubt that divine guidance is a fact, but because they are sure it is. They know that God can guide and has promised to guide every Christian believer. Brooks uh, books and friends and public speakers tell them how guidance has worked in their lives, the lives of others. Their fear, therefore, is that they may miss the guidance which God provides through some fault of their own. In this model, we will be investigating this vital subject. We will be exploring such questions as, one, how does God guide? Two, can I learn to hear God's voice? Three, how can I know that it is really God speaking? Four, what happens if God doesn't seem to be speaking? And five, what happens if I miss it and act presumptuously? But in this, our first lesson, we will first focus on the foundational truth of guidance, the fact that God is indeed a God of guidance. The nature of God. As we established early in the biblical studies course, everything in the Christian life begins with a revelation of God. This applies as much to guidance as to anything else. For if God does not guide, then the quest of divine guidance is a fruitless pursuit. So before any other question can be asked, one question comes to the fore. Is God a lost God, disinterested and distant, or is he close by, not just in presence, but in the most intimate of interactions, his guiding hand? These two, these two are very different concepts of God, of God that has names. Um, the belief that God exists but is uninvolved and uninterested in human affairs. Dism, D-E-I-S-M. The Holman Bible Dictionary defines dism as the idea that God created the world but then withdrew from its day-to-day governance, leaving it to run by itself as a machine. Thism. T-H-E-I-S-M, 
the belief that God exists and has personally involved himself in human affairs. Thism, thism also takes this one step further by saying that God can actually be known because he has chosen to reveal himself to mankind. That revelation of God's nature is the Bible. So as a prelude to our lesson on guidance, let us explore God's word and discover what God is indeed like. The record of scripture. As you look through the passages of God's word, you will quickly be astonished by the frequency of God's communication to man. In fact, each generation rediscovers for itself that God is a God who guides. But in reading the biblical account, it is important for us to identify with the characters in each story. Dallas Willard makes this point. If we are really to understand the Bible record, we must enter into our study of it on the assumption that the experiences recorded there are basically of the same type as ours would have been if we had been there. Those who lived through them felt them very much as we would have done if we had been in their place. Unless this comes home to us, the things which happened to people in the Bible will remain unreal to us. We will not generally be able to believe the Bible or find its context to be real because it will have no experimental substance for us. And what he's saying is otherwise you find, you must identify yourself with the characters in the word of God. Hallelujah goes on to say we must prayerfully but boldly use our God-given imaginations to feel out the reality of what it would be like if we were Moses standing by the bush, like Samuel lying in his darkened room, Elijah under inspiration from the minstrels, and Ananias receiving his vision about Paul or Peter on his rooftop. We must pray for the faith for the experiences which would enable us to believe that such things could happen to us. And it can happen to you, beloved. It can be a reality to you. Hallelujah. The scriptures can come alive to you. We must identify ourselves. We must open our hearts for the Holy Spirit to come in and bring that revelation. because only by the Holy Spirit that the revelation of God's truth is real. Turn your swords to James chapter 5 verse 17 and we're going to read that out the Amplified Bible. Here Elijah is described as a man subject to like passions as we are. It reads out of the Amplified Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have with feelings affections, and a constitution like ours. He prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produces crop as usual. Paul is another example. Paul was human, and he knew what it meant to feel confused, 
Turn your swords to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8. And also turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and hold your place at verse 5. Paul was human just like we are, beloved, and he felt confused at some time. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 it reads, We are hedged in pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. Here it says that they were troubled on every side, that they were oppressed in every way by the enemy. Hallelujah. But they weren't cramped and they weren't crushed. He says they suffered embarrassments and were perplexed and unable to find a way out. So we must identify, see, Paul, Elijah, and all the men of old, the apostles and the prophets, they were human just like we are. They experienced passion. They experienced confusion. They experienced depression. They experienced being frightened. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 reads, chapter 7 verse 5 reads, For when we were come to Macedonia, our flesh had, had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Without, without was fightings, within were fears. See, they feared. Hallelujah. Glory to God, just like we do. They experience human emotions just like we do, beloved. Hallelujah. This makes their lives immediately relevant to our personal experiences. There was nothing superhuman about any of these men that would make us say, yes, well, that's fine for Elijah or Moses or Samuel, but not for me. Despite cultural and historical differences, the road they walk is substantially similar to our own. With a similar hardships, conflicting signals, and discouraging circumstances, yet in the midst of these, they experience the guiding hand of God. Let's turn now to Scripture and draw from the experience of real people in order to establish the basis of our understanding of divine guidance. A survey of the Old Testament. If you would, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Hold your place at verse 8. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Also, turn your sword to Luke. Luke chapter 19. Hold your place at verse 20. The 39 books of the Old Testament clearly reveals a God who has involved himself in human history. A God who is passionately interested not only in the affairs of the human race as a whole, but also in the life of each individual person. That includes you and myself. So let's start at the beginning, and what better place to start than the book of beginnings and the man who started everything off, and that is Adam. Here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, 
coming out of the Amplified Bible, it reads, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Here it says that God came to fellowship with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. That was in the evening when the sun has went, is going down and is a little bit cooler. It says that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking. They heard him coming. Hallelujah. And they heard this. And mind you, beloved, this was after they were disobedient, ate the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they heard the of God, when they heard him coming, they hid themselves. Hallelujah. Because they, they were afraid because of disobedience. They hid themselves among the trees of the garden. This is the first hint of God's original intention and his relationship with mankind. The intention in this verse is that God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day, was not an unusual or unique event. It appears that God had a, has set a special time of daily fellowship with Adam and Eve. The Hebrew phrase, the cool of the day, literally means in the evening breeze. As Adam Clark explains, it is very likely that God used to converse with them in the garden and that the usual time was the decline of the day, in the evening breeze. And probably this was the time that our first parents employed in the more solemn acts of their religion. Just worship, at which God was never ever present. The time for the solemn worship is again come, and God is in his place. But Adam and Eve have sinned, and therefore, instead of being found in the place of worship, are hidden among the trees. Reader, how often has this been thy case? How often have we hidden ourselves from the face of God because of some sin that we have committed? Hallelujah. Today in society, uh, we have been desensitized to sin via music, TV, radio, hallelujah, uh, outside with our eyes, our physical eyes. We have been desensitized to sin. Hallelujah. And what they're calling now evil good and good evil in our society today. Even at the the very beginning, at the point of man's first sin, we do not find God booming in a vindictive, thunderous voice, but rather a God who was walking in the garden in the cool of the day seeking fellowship with his human creation. And so in this in this one verse we discover two important things. One, man hid. And this has been the incentive reaction of man ever since is to hide. As Warren Wesper explains, Genesis three verse eight reveals a loss of desire for fellowship with God. For when they heard God approaching, they hid. 
Guilt, fear, and shame broke the fellowship with God that they had enjoyed before their disobedience. We must come to that understanding, beloved, that sin separates you from God. Hallelujah. To God's search. And this has been what has been do, uh, doing, what man has been doing ever since. This ongoing search for mankind resulted in the sending of Jesus, whose ex- express mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 20 reads, And another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound which I have kept laid up in a napkin. Am I on Luke? Yeah, Luke 19.20. For I fear thee, because thou art a man, thou take it up that thou layest that not down, and reap it thou that thou didst not sow. I'm sorry, let's go to John chapter 4, verse 23. I'm sorry. John chapter 4, verse 23. Hallelujah. But Jesus came to save, to seek and to save that which was lost. And today, God continues to seek out those who will be Worshippers, here in John chapter 4, verse 23, it reads, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Second Corinthians 3, verse 17 reads, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. God is a spirit, and he is seeking such to worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, being born again of what of the spirit means filled and sealed with the Holy Spirit. We must communicate with God by spirit. People immersed in intimate communion with God. Key point, God's intentive. God seeks out a personal relationship with you. God is desiring to have a personal one-on-one relationship with you. Hallelujah. Now, turn your swords to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, we're going to read. And we're going to talk about Enoch. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 and 24, we're going to read. And it reads out the Amplified Bible. When Enoch was 65 years old, Melisha Methulash was born. Enoch walked in Habakkuk fellowship with God after the birth of Mishalah, 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked in Habakkuk 
fellowship with God, and he was not, for God took him home with him. Here, Enoch is the first man in human history singled out as one who walked with God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it reads, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found, because God has translated him. For, be- for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Jude chapter 1, verse 14 reads, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Hallelujah. God, Enoch walked so close with God that God began to give him revelation. He began to have visions and, and, and revelations. Hallelujah. About what went on in heaven, about the wars in heaven. Hallelujah about the separation and divisions, about the different angels called watchers. Hallelujah. Enoch has a book, and he wrote it down and recorded. It it just was not added into the Canaanical Bible. But God, uh, uh, Enoch walked close to God. And God desires for us to walk close to him like Enoch did. Notice that the Bible does not say that God walked with Enoch, but rather that Enoch walked with God. In other words, it was the Lord who was leading the way. Bear this in mind, for this one simple statement has great bearing on our understanding of how God guides. We must follow God, not the other way around. Remember that Enoch lived in a time when there was no Bible for him to read, no church for him to attend, no books on how to know God's will. All he had was what was passed down to him from his father. Yet something happened when encapsulated him into a daily walk. The Bible is very specific about the start of Enoch's walk with God. It began from the time Methuselah, his son, was born. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the son names right or not. The name Methuselah, Meshulah, could be interpreted to mean when he dies, it shall be, be sent forth. If you count the genealogies of Genesis, you would discover that Meshulah died in the year that God sent the flood. It seems that God had revealed to Enoch that the sun was a time clock for God's judgment. Methelosh became the oldest man to ever live, 969 years. Enoch apparently named his son according to a revelation he had received of the coming. Turn your swords to Jude. And we're going to read verses 14 and 15. Jude 14 and 15. It reads, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, these, and behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among 
among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. What Enoch understood of the future affected his whole walk on earth. What he understood of the future affected his whole walk on her, because it's by faith was Enoch translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation had this testimony that he pleased God. Each step of guidance for him was in line with the ultimate revelation of the coming of the Lord. So it is with us, believe it, beloved. Key point, perspective. The revelation you have of God's eternal purpose sets the direction and pace of your walk with God. Perspective. The revelation you have of God's eternal purpose sets the direction and pace of your walk with God. Noah. In the midst of a a corrupt generation, God found Noah to be righteous and blameless. Like Enoch, he walked with God. Turn your source to Genesis chapter 6. Hold your place at verse 13. Genesis chapter 6. Hold your place at verse verse 16. And also we're going to go to Genesis chapter 7. Hold your place at verse 1. In the midst of a generation, God found Noah to be righteous and blameless. Jesus often said that the end times will be as it was in the times of Noah. So, beloved, we must find ourselves to be righteous and blameless before God, walking upright before him, seeking his face, seeking to do his will, to understand and know his will for our lives individually. Hallelujah. Because this is a personal relationship. It is a personal relationship. God deals with each one of us differently. Hallelujah. Like Enoch, he walked with God, responding to a revelation of the coming judgment. He too aligned his life accordingly and lived in obedience to God's direction. Out of this relationship came guidance. Here in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, and Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, we read that God said to Noah, and the guidance was specific since Noah did everything just as God commanded him. It says in verse 13, God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of all flesh, for through me, men, the land filled with violence, and behold, I will destroy them and the land. He said, and God said to Noah, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Hallelujah. And God said, and the Lord said to Noah, Come all your household into the ark, for I have seen you to be righteous 
upright and in right standing before me in this generation. So we let us be found to be upright, standing upright, hallelujah, and in right standing with God in this wicked generation that we are living in today, hallelujah. This this is a wicked generation that we're living in today, beloved. Psalms chapter 27, verse 5 reads, For in a day of trouble he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his, of his tent will he hide me. He will set me high upon a rock. In our wicked, evil day, beloved, God, hallelujah, when we call upon him and walking up right before him, will hide us, he will shelter us, he will place us, hallelujah, in a secret place within him. Hallelujah. Psalms 33, verse 13, he says, Behold, the Lord's eye is upon those who fear him, who rever and worship him with awe, who wait for him and hope in his mercy and loving kindness. Hallelujah. Are you waiting for God's mercy and his loving kindness upon you. Second Peter chapter two verse nine reads, Now, if all these things are true, be sure the Lord knows how to rescue the godly out of temptations and trials, and how to keep the ungodly under chastisement until the day of judgment and doom. God will protect his own. Hallelujah. God protects his own, beloved, when we are walking upright before him, when we are obedient and following his lead. God said, has God spoken to you? Hallelujah. If he has spoken to you and given you revelation, then move with it. Align your life to the revelation that he has given you. Here in Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. We, hallelujah, are to be obedient, beloved. Be obedient to what God has called you to. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 reads, Prompted by faith, Noah, being forewarned by God concerning events of which as, as yet there was not visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently consecrated and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his own family. By this, his faith, which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and possessor of righteousness, that relation of being right, in, right into which God puts the person who has faith. All the time that Noah was building the ark, beloved, he was still preaching the word. He was giving, he was telling the people, he was warning them of the coming flood. You know, the people laughed at him, thought crazy, hallelujah, did not heed his warning. All the time he was building this ark. You know, I'm sure people came to find out what he was doing. And he told them why he was, what he was doing and why he was building the ark. Yet they did not believe, beloved. We don't want to be in the position where we don't believe when God is sending forth his servants to bring a warning of the coming judgment 
the king is returning, and he's on his way. And we want to be prepared, brides. Hallelujah. We want to be prepared for the king's return. So we are to take heed to the warnings, hallelujah, that are being sent forth out of the mouth of God's servants. Genesis 7, verse 5 reads, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Let us do all that the Lord is commanding you to do. Let us prepare ourselves. Let us line up our lives, hallelujah, with the revelation that God is giving us so that we can be instruments that are used, hallelujah, to spread the gospel and to bring warning to the saved and the lost. We don't want to be unprepared when the king returns. So it is with us, beloved. Key point, obedience. God's guidance requires a step-by-step obedience. God's guidance requires a step-by-step obedience. We must be obedient, beloved. Let us be obedient to God's commands. Abraham, turn your swords to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, we're going to read. Hallelujah. Abraham is not only our great example of faith, but also our great example of guidance. And we must remember, beloved, that the men of old, these great men, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, they did not have the written word like we have. They had testimonies that was handed down by their forefathers from generation to generation and that built their faith, that, that uh, it was taught them. They didn't have the word of God like we have today, but yet they, they had faith. They still believed the testimony that God is true, God is real. Hallelujah. Now, Abraham, at the command of God, God left everything, Abraham left everything that was familiar to him and stepped out in faith solely on a word from God. Hallelujah. According to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, the guidance he received was specific. It goes on to read, he says, Now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, Go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors, and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you. In you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed, and by you they will bless themselves. So Abraham departed as the Lord had directed him, and his nephew went with him. Abraham, Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 
Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 7 reads, You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and and gave him the name Abraham. Acts chapter 7 verse 2 to 3 reads, And he answered, Brethren and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our forefather Abraham when he was still in Massapolima before he went to live in Haran. And he said to him, leave your own country and your relatives and come into the land region that I will point out to you. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 reads, urged on by faith, Abraham. When he was called, obeyed, and went forth to a place which he was destined to receive as an inheritance, and he went, although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was going. See, beloved, when God calls you to come out, when he calls you to leave a place, hallelujah, Abraham didn't question. He said, well, I don't have enough money. Well, I don't have enough this, and I don't have enough that. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know where I'm going. He didn't question God. He just packed his stuff and got up and left. He followed the guidance of God. There is so much that can be learned from Abraham's walk with God. But the New King James Version translated of Hebrews 11, verse 8, hints upon the key point in Abraham's walk with God. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. So it is with us, beloved. The Lord rarely reveals every step in the path ahead. All he reveals is two things, the end goal and the first step. From there is a step-by-step walk with God. We, too, go out not knowing where we are going, but trusting God completely. Completely, that he will be our guide even to the end. Turn your swords to Psalms chapter 48. Hold your place at verse 12, Psalms 48 verse 12. And also turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Hold your place at verse 7. Here in Psalms chapter 48 verse 12 out the Amplified it says, Walk about Zion and go round about her. Number her towers, her lofty and noble deeds of past days. Like Abraham, too, walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. God, hallelujah, the the Lord is going to lead us. We, too, go out, not knowing where we are going, but trusting God completely that he will be our guide even to the end. Hallelujah. Abraham, we too walk by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven, for we walk by faith, regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy favor. Thus we walk not by sight or appearance. Yes, we have confident and and hopeful courage and are pleased rather to be away from home, out of the body, and to be at home with the Lord. Key point, faith. God rarely reveals the entire path 
before us. We are required to take the first step in full faith that God would lead us the rest of the way. Hallelujah. When we when I come back, uh, we're going to um, continue our study. Hallelujah on God that guides in our hearing, knowing the verse of God with Moses. Moses, Hallelujah, was an awesome man of God. Hallelujah, and we're gonna learn a little bit about Moses' characteristic that uh, he, even though he was a chosen child, he grew up in Egypt. He was taught by the Egyptians, hallelujah. He was was led there, but see, Moses knew who he was. He knew who he was, and we're going to find out how he followed God's voice, how he followed God, and how God called him. Glory to God. I do apologize for being late this morning. Glory to God. Father, uh, before I get into that, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your guidance, O Father, into all truth. We thank you, Father, that you are with us, O Lord, wherever we go. Teach us and train our ears to be attentive and on the same frequency that you are on, O Lord. We trust in you to be to guide us and to lead us into all truth, O Father, by your spirit. We thank you, Father. In the name of your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, we pray. Amen and amen. Well, beloved. I do apologize to you. I ask that I covet your prayers. Please pray for me. You know, it's amazing that, um, you know, we have people, hallelujah, you may not know them all, but we do, the, the true believer that is after truth and, and desiring to walk upright before the Lord have enemies that will pray witchcraft against them. See, the enemy does not want you to preach or to teach the truth, which is the word of God. He does not want you to preach the gospel of Yeshua. He does not want you to be free. Hallelujah. In my uh, chat room for um, Pow Talk, uh, the title of it is Anointed Keeping It Real uh, Bible Studies. Hallelujah. You know, the enemy, I want to keep it real with you, beloved, Walking with Christ, hallelujah, is not going to be a, a, a fun walk, but it's a rewarding walk. Glory to God. We all must take up our cross and follow him. And oftentimes when we're doing a work for the Lord, the enemy uses people, even those that call on the name of the Lord, to come against you in prayer. So I ask, beloved, that you would please keep me up in prayer. Hallelujah. It. it you know, I was doing good. Uh, the Lord was using me finally. Things were doing good. But right now I am under under a spiritual attack. Uh, I remember sending out group texts uh, to certain individuals whose number I had. A group text is more easier than texting people individually. So I would oftentimes do a group text. Hallelujah. It's not to start a conversation or anything like that, but just to let you know, that I'm on air, but it was one particular person that I sent a group text to, hallelujah, that I, hallelujah, that I sent it to and, and, and got a, a negative response from this person. And ever since then, I've been in warfare. Hallelujah. So I ask that you, I covet your prayers. Please pray for me. Keep me in your prayer that I will continue to do the work of the Lord, that I will continue to be obedient 
Hallelujah. Fight having done all to stand that I will continue to stand and fight the good fight of faith irregardless of what's going on. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Father. Hallelujah. For every witchcraft prayer that is being prayed against women of grace a voice in the wilderness that's being prayed against GICTC, home of the warriors, against the people, hallelujah, that listen to the broadcast and against myself, that the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach is against all witchcraft prayer and that they will fall to the ground, wither and die, that they will not prosper, Father. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that comes, hallelujah, to wash, hallelujah, the ministry and the people that listen to the broadcast in the blood of Yahshua. I thank you, Lord. In, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, beloved, I'm going to... um. It is 10.32, and uh, like I said before, my schedule has changed. I, I no longer work the morning schedule any longer, but the evening schedule, hallelujah, with this new job, and it kind of has thrown me off. But please keep me in prayer, beloved, hallelujah, as um, I continue to do the Lord's will, to walk in his will, to be obedient to his voice, beloved. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God's face shine up on you. As you continue to seek his face by sitting at his feet and learning of him. Until next time we meet, God bless you and shalom. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.